Welcome back to Process the Podcast. My name is Ariel Thomas. I am Emotion Director and now well and truly a social media strategist. I'll get into more about that later, but welcome back. This podcast episode is a long time coming hiatus for me on this is an absolute understatement, but it was very, very necessary. So the timing of this episode makes it kind of somewhat like a life update. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I speak my mind. I'm really transparent and (laughs) let me tell you, my personal life and professional life have had many twists and turns. Almost too many for me to sit here and record if I was going to give you a full-on play-by-play. There are pieces that I'm going to really openly talk about, um, a certain trauma that I am not going to talk about and life decisions like changing up my environment completely out of my comfort zone that really, really pulled me out. Um, that I think are for the better. So I'm going to try and take you back to the beginning since this is called Process the Podcast. I think it's pretty healthy to share all of this. What I think I really want to get across in this episode is that when you're a creative and you're bridging that with commerce and that's how you pay your bills, being a creative, you just kind of have to realise that when there's so many plates in the air, in order to get any of them done at any level of value, you just have to put one plate down and... What was put down was this podcast. I am going to get into it and deep dive, but it has been a crazy six months. And I'm on the other side of it now, I think. And I'm if I'm not, I'm really leaning into it and working on it and figuring it out. There's nothing left unidentified, no stone left unturned. But it really is okay to put a plate down and I'm here to reassure you of that. So taking you back to the beginning, it's been a massive year, probably actually... Last year was the biggest year of my life, maybe, aside from when I moved to New York, which I did alone at 18. That was obviously game-changing, changed who I am, completely turned me on my head. So January 2022, I got COVID and I was quarantining. I got it from a New Year's party and my mum left snacks at the front door of my apartment for me. The whole thing couldn't leave and I decided that I wanted to launch a podcast. So once I was freed from COVID, I was dating someone new, it was all happening, (laughs) the new year, out of COVID and... I was in the trenches for podcast development. I drove to DJ City, bought all my microphones. I was recording episodes, getting so hyped to record with like these industry heavyweights that I absolutely idolized. I was like doing the branding, getting advice, chatting to people that had podcasts and like really getting in the nitty gritty. I even talked a friend into showing me how to use Excel formulas to like understand the podcast listenership to revenue model and the potential. It was all happening. So I launched the podcast in March and I started by asking six people in the industry who I absolutely adore, people that I'd collaborated with um, as a video creator and been on their teams or mentors or just people that I knew um, to be my guests. And they all said yes, every single one, which was incredible. So I was squealing. I sent them microphones. I sent them chocolate. I did it via DHL, so I'd get there really fast. I was just like on my A game. I got these little stickers made. It said process on it. I put out their episodes. And you can see your episode ranking essentially in the um, analytics. And it reached new and noteworthy. It got to like number two in the fashion and arts um, podcast in Australia in the first week. I'm going to attribute the rest of the growth to Georgia Santini's episode because everyone's obsessed with that one and still people to this day come up to me and talk to me about it. If you haven't listened to that, it's in the show notes. It's such a goodie. He is an absolute legend. So while I was getting all this hype and the podcast and I'm working on it and it's new and like striking while the iron's hot, I was still running Cinematom, my production company, which at the time was with my right hand, Tiana. We'd met um, about four years ago. So it was manic. 
um, there was so much work coming in the door and we were exhausted. I was doing the marketing, accounting, nurturing new clients, producing for current clients, directing, managing post-production um, and T was shooting and editing and then we'd get some um, extra hands on editing some days but she was definitely carrying the load and it got to a point where we would just pack up the car, roll up to a job and I would brief her of what we're doing when we got there. Like we'd walk in, be like, great, the lighting set up. Okay, cool, we've got natural light, la, la, la. What are we doing? Okay, yeah, we're doing this. And all the gear would just be in the car so we'd be able to work it out, which is a really um, freeing way to work if you want to work like that. But to have no pre-pro time really with your team is not what a director or a cinematographer really ever wanted. It was so busy and we were so grateful post-COVID and I think – COVID allowed us to really take everything on and say, yeah, we can do it now, we get it done, it doesn't matter. We'd talk about how many hours are in the day, could we do it, could we stay back this day, could we do more, la, la, la. We always said yes, I think, because post-COVID we were so hungry. So it just got to madness and very, very grateful for all the work. But I was burning out and we were on a treadmill of content. Just the madness, the absolute madness that is video content creation and really grateful, but that's not the kind of business that I wanted to run. That was where we were at. So moving forward, I did a live episode with Maxine Wilde, who is a pretty incredible influencer. I'd never done public speaking or anything, but a live episode podcast. <laughs> it happened as episode two. She and I were both so nervous. You can hear it in the front of the episode. We were like, huh? I had to like basically let the audience know because she and I were looking at each other being like, the year we just say yes we're gonna do it but then we were like oh my god what have we gotten ourselves into like it sounded really cool but then as soon as she and I were on stage like palms are sweaty knees make arms are heavy <laughs> like it was hectic there wasn't even that many people in the audience we were just nervous and like my parents were there I was like oh my god this is weird so did that like got really got out of the comfort zone through myself in the deep end I worked with new clients I learned a lot about myself and my team I hired another shooter editor to work with us as a contractor and sort of got us over the line and then I turned 30 in April and I went to Port Douglas and I also recorded Alison Rice's episode up there at the same time Tiana went to Hawaii it was really obvious while we were away as soon as we've kind of like had space away from the work that things needed to change and T and I had a conversation that we'd actually reached a ceiling. I was working towards becoming a commercial director and she was working towards cinematography and she needed to step out and work with others to learn and to grow and so did I. So we did. And there are a few jobs for the rest of the year that we've done together and it's been great. But all of a sudden this company that I built, it was all of a sudden me one day and I was terrified, I think is the word to use. I wanted to go into business development all over again to like rebuild some structure that I felt safe in. I wanted to redo the website, reinvent myself, take some time, la la la. But the emails just kept flooding in for work and I guess hard work pays off because we didn't really pitch for anything. Most of the work that occurred in 2022 landed in the inbox from the hard work, the work that had been done before to prove to people that we were obvious candidates for the video job that they needed. So there was no time and so it kept going and I didn't stop. I just kept showing up to work with different videographers, cinematographers, editors, animators, grew. I personally grew and expanded and just did it like I just did the work. The work felt different, the energy on set was different and the work was looking really different, good different. It was definitely the shake-up that it needed and I'm so 
in hindsight, happy that we've kind of shifted things in the way that we're working because I think Tiana would absolutely agree. Loyalty is a beautiful thing and sometimes amicably the right thing to do to grow is to change, change that up. There was a project that was looming in my mind for a long time and something that I could see businesses struggling with, knowing that they needed to be on TikTok and Instagram, knowing that the trends were there, but it is really toxic often to spend enough time on TikTok or Reels to actually see and understand the trends. It's a tricky tightrope to walk because you're, you've got to be in it to win it. Essentially, you've got to consume all that content to be able to notice and um, justify that that is a trend that your business should pursue. So I set up this kind of thing where I had some virtual assistants in Australia, US and the UK tracking uh, international trends because the trends do happen to start overseas and it was a subscription model where brands or business owners receive 10 of the top reels or tiktok trends in their inbox every week and exactly how to do them it was called the trend tea and i went so hard at that life of like a lead gen sign up webinar opt-in blah 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 world it was so intense and i had it at the price of a coffee every week so people could either really extract value and fly and absolutely flog their tiktok and really see results or they could just check the list when they needed to and kind of create as they wanted to so I threw myself in. I did my first webinar. No one told me how fucking scary that would be. And I got to about 20 members in the first intake, which I actually think is incredible because these women just trusted me. They were like, wow, your energy is insane. Let's do this. Um, I had the help from Alison Rice's beautiful community called Off. Um, I did like a kind of pitch night. I had 40 women on Zoom and I pitched the idea and they loved it, which was a great justification for what I was doing. And I ran it for two months constantly looking at ways to evolve it. I still had the podcast. I was still on the grind for loads of video clients. I chased it super hard because I wanted to see if this like scalable, super attractive, getting people around that world. It was just something I wanted to see if I liked and if that's where my passion lay. And I wanted to test the theory as well as being a director and content producer for some of the biggest brands in the country. I could give some small businesses a piece of that and streamline that so that other content creators can grow their business on TikTok. I still go through it now. I'm running the Kmart TikTok and we're accumulating thousands of followers every week. Every time I talk to somebody and I'm like, oh yeah, I run the TikTok for Kmart or something, or yeah, I do video strategy, people are just like, can you help me with my business? And yes is the answer, but I wanted to find something that I could then um, make quite rinse and repeat, if you will, as a business model because... I just wanted to see. I didn't like it, the bottom of the story. Not the bottom, the moral of the story. I didn't like it. I didn't know what it was to this day. I still do strategy as a one-on-one for clients, but membership model content for TikTok, no. It just did not, I don't know. It just didn't fit with me. And one day I texted my boyfriend and I said, I'm going to pull the pin. And I think before he'd even read the message and had the chance to like reason with me and pull me down from the ledge of whatever I was on, I had refunded all the beautiful ladies that had believed in me. I downgraded my subscriptions like Circle and Kajabi. I didn't cancel them just in case I wanted to go back and build something again. But I refunded them and I sent an email saying thanking everyone that I wanted to take a step back, rework and potentially invite them to 2.0 in the future. But that was it. And that was the second most terrifying part of the year because 
I really don't like to not finish what I start, but I also love to try new things. And I wrestled with myself of, do I shut it down? Do I not? Am I being lazy? Is it my inner voice saying that this isn't actually right for me and I need to listen to it? Are you just sleepy and you're making excuses? Do I need to rest? Should I just skip this week and everyone will understand? And then I remembered what's actually guided me through my creative life. And um, I th- it was really, really important for me to come back to this, that if I'm procrastinating from doing this, it's either because I'm so all in that I don't want to start in the fear of not being good enough or I'm procrastinating because this just isn't for me and I don't like it and it doesn't serve me. And I thought about what I would do if someone else in my industry popped up and started doing this. Like that was kind of my radar. If somebody popped up and started a creative podcast exactly like this, I'd be like, <sighs> but <laughs> I don't know what that was. I was a gremlin. Um, but this, I was like, mm. I didn't even feel a pang of anything. No jealousy, no competitive spirit, no hurt, no frustration. And eventually I realised that if I closed it down, I wouldn't really feel sad. So I closed it and I felt relieved. And I have not looked back. I think the girls that showed up every single week, they were like, oh, uh, like pr- they were probably enjoying it or whatever for the two months and I still have relationships with them and I DM them all the time and when they post stuff, I'm like, yes, get it, girl. But I have not looked back and I'm really proud of myself for just trying and I think that it took guts to learn a whole industry of online membership, sales, offers, building a mini course, funnels, etc. It was a lot, like a lot. That was pretty extraordinary but I'm really grateful that I did it and I've had some beautiful women join me along the way. So shout out to Estee, Carter and Bianca for showing up every single week for our chats. I loved them. From that chapter, I think it's really important to firstly take that little nugget of procrastination. Is it because I care so much that I don't, I have a fear of doing this wrong and I want it to be absolutely perfect or is it a procrastination because you actually don't want to do it? And I need that in my life right now because I'm procrastinating as a perfectionist I've discovered not because I don't want to do it a perfectionist on the YouTube project so consider that when you're procrastinating is it terror because you it means a lot to you or is it procrastination because it's really not for you the other part of that is wow take a step back and look at what you have done not what you haven't done Um, I know that I ended up shutting that project down, but I did try and I did give it a really good nudge. And if there's something that you tried last year or in years before that you really did give a good nudge to and you tried and you worked your little heart out and it wasn't for you, then give yourself a pat on the back because that's massive. And a lot of people can't even say that they tried. So the fact that I got it up on its feet, I turned a dollar, I had 20 people engaged and signed up and I did it for two months. I'm really proud of myself and it takes a lot to actually sit back and be proud of yourself because we move so quickly, or at least I do. Putting yourself out there like that is incredibly hard. Getting something up like that, regardless of it failing or it working, is great and something that I want to celebrate and I want people to celebrate too. So, in August... My rent was due for renewal in the nicest apartment that I think I have actually ever lived in. But they asked to double my rent. I knew that there was going to hike up with the cost of living. I think legally it's like 11%. Do not quote me on that. I definitely think it's illegal for them to double the rent. But anyway, a few days later, completely out of the blue, while I was like, oh God, my rent's going to be doubled. Like, what do I do? I need to move on. Just randomly, a really, really cute Airbnb called 
the log box followed me on Instagram and I just loved it and I was like oh we haven't been away for a bit anyway I dm them and asked if they would host my boyfriend and I for a few days in exchange for content because on their Instagram page they hadn't really had a lot of content up I got some new gear that I wanted to try out and why not do it in a beautiful cabin I received a dm reply almost instantly saying oh my god Ariel it's Chloe I used to babysit for you of course you can come I nearly fell off my chair I squealed for sure. I was gobsmacked. Chloe was like the sister that I never had. She was like that really cool babysitter. I think she looked after me when I was like 11 or something when my parents were overseas. I think she looked after me for like a month. So we became really, really close. But since becoming a teenager, a young adult, let alone the adult that I am now, I just had not even seen her. I'd seen her parents around, but no, I hadn't seen her. And I was like, oh my God. I was just super excited to connect. And second, going down to Red Hill to collaborate with her great and I loved it and I was really excited for her to have this like Airbnb project because I thought it was really cool so we went down it was so nice as all good millennials do um, I don't I think I'm a millennial I'm 30 yeah I moseyed on over to realestate.com.au to see what it would cost to live there as most people or at least I think this is really common but let me know in the comments if you don't do this um, what it would cost to live there and I saw firstly you go through the buy then you go through the rent and I saw this cottage and it was on a larger property and the owner used to rent out this like cottage from her away from her much bigger house on Airbnb but she was over it and she just wanted a tenant so it was in Flinders next to Red Hill which had been on my radar for a really long time because they have got the best general store it's super underrated they've got a couple of great restaurants but like it's very chill it's definitely not the overcrowded Mornington Peninsula vibe at all. So this cottage had a view overlooking rolling hills. It had an orchard with like lemons and pear trees and avocado tree in front of it. There were chickens and all the maintenance was done by the owner and her team. Didn't take convincing from me, but more so to my family because it's pretty random. Um, But I just knew that I wanted a change. So my lease ended and I moved. I wanted to put myself out of my comfort zone and have new surroundings. I wasn't going to go overseas necessarily. The whole thing just felt right. So I did it. And I wanted to grow, find some stuff out about myself. I wasn't bored. I was just comfortable. And I signed a six-month lease. And I'm in month number four currently. And I love it. I don't know if I'm going to stay. Because if you've learned anything about this episode is that things turn on their head. Um just life happens to you but I will always give it a go for now I'm obsessed with it the space and the vibe it's humble a change of scenery is exactly what I needed for this kind of chapter of my life whatever that is I'll be able to take a step back and look at this chapter maybe in six months or a year's time but I'm definitely in one and I moved to Flinders in September and that's just when things in my family were really starting to shift which is a big (laughs) a big moment in my life so since I was born my parents have owned a hotel the hotel itself was built in 2001 I was nine or ten before that it was serviced apartments and in one way or another my parents have always accommodated people they are incredibly hardworking. I don't think my upbringing was necessarily privileged although it was in the luxury space it revolved absolutely around witnessing incredible hard work My life is in that hotel and more than I ever really thought that a building or a business (laughs) or anything could be. I was crawling on the floor there. I was 
colouring in next to the reservations manager. I was on the front desk stealing highlighters. The chef and I baked for most days as after-school care. I used to watch TV in the rooms well into the night when our mum and dad would finish work. I printed out my homework and just sat there and did it day after day after day school holidays were there so as a teenager I stayed there when mum and dad traveled instead of boarding school my first job on the weekends was there um, at the brunch service with a couple of my friends Uh, my entire life has been wrapped up in that hotel in my family's DNA Christmas was there with the guests that's the kind of thing that mum and dad wanted to do you can hear the sadness in my voice I think just as they were about to open after a basically a a two-year to 18-month renovation. They closed during COVID as well, so they hadn't traded for three years. Um, An incredible offer came up from a buyer and they decided to sell it. My parents are in their 60s and their 70s, so one half of this is a relief because they're hanging up their boots at a good time. But on the other hand, I can't find the word for it because it's it's grief um, and a certain uh, piece a view that you have to let go and it's a piece that wasn't just you like a like a sports club it was you in terms of my core family four people have such an incredible relationship to this business and the staff and the building and the property in the area that it really I would put it down to grief it took so much emotion and energy out of me that I'm still exhausted now, but I was exhausted. And somewhere in the month of August, I stopped recording because I was both really busy and full steam ahead on the opening, helping them to do all of that. And then when they decided to sell it, my creativity just went on autopilot. And I don't think I had it in me to do episodes with the people that I admire because if they asked me how I was, I think I just would have cried because I was so overwhelmed by that life change as well as being on the treadmill of other work. And it wasn't a grief that necessarily I could justify stopping and slowing down and feeling my way through. It was a grief of like my life's changing right in front of my eyes and and I'm not sure how to process it in terms of in, – in justify the – see, even as I say it, I'm still like what is that about it that – meant so much to me as my childhood and I don't know anyway I'll work that out myself but I was sad and I didn't want people to ask me about it or ask me how I was or what I was up to because there was just this found you know how when like you said you're upset and your friend says are you okay and you're like no that but in a little bit less just tears running down my face more confused maybe of how I felt in those may June, July, August. I'd closed a chapter on the business and chosen to be completely solo in my day-to-day, which not all the time, but sometimes is incredibly lonely. I had launched and said goodbye to a business that I had started, an initiative that I spent months learning about to go all in, realised it wasn't for me, and I was saying goodbye to a part of my family's life and my life um, with a few bumps along the way. And on top of all of that, once... I sort of slowed down for a week or so. I, I hung up my boots and was just doing the bare minimum um, just to kind of feel my way through things. I actually realised that I was also grieving the loss of a really big friendship that I was squashing down how sad I was. And I was putting it out of my mind, almost in denial, that um, that, that girl didn't really care about me anymore. Which if anyone's gone through that, it is a very, very different pain. My God. Adult friendship breakups. Oofed. Big things, big changes and big lessons. I was exhausted. 
when you're this exhausted, my only advice here is to streamline. So I paused on all things new. I looked at my regular clients, who I absolutely adore, mind you, and I just decided to give them every bit of energy that I had left in the tank. I hit pause on the podcast. I peppered in some new clients that popped up for smaller jobs because they were great opportunities, but I relieved any pressure of myself to seek out or network for new clients or to put out podcast episodes or to grow on Instagram or start a YouTube channel, which is all kind of in the pipeline. I moved to the cottage with my dog. I drove to the city for work and I cooked really nourishing food. I've seen my friends, done the work and loved the people around me. I had to let go of this huge expectation that I put on myself because I wanted to grow my audience. I wanted to launch a YouTube channel documenting the production company and all the jobs and the podcast and daily life. I had these ambitions of really growing TikTok and being the best content strategist and really understanding and being in these platforms. These things don't go to plan we do run out of steam and we have to be realistic. I could have hired somebody around that time and kept this turbo attitude and growth. But I also, I really wanted to shrink down to the basics. I didn't want to have so many plates in the air and I wanted to focus on literally what was on my desk. I wanted to say, sorry, I'm at capacity to anybody that came my way needing something. And to the women, Mandy Confort, Kmart, the Girls at Sheet Society and a couple of others that kept knocking on my door for regular work during that time. I just wanted them. And the beauty of them as women is that I'm going to get emotional saying this. They are so kind. <laughs> they're, they're in their leadership. But when you're a contractor as a part of that team, how generous people can be. I was also working with the Keep It Cleaner girls here, so I will talk about how beautiful they were to me during this time, but I was so lost. But I felt so um, so lucky to have such beautiful women around me. And I still do. I'm so excited to dive into Jan and make these women proud <laughs> as clients. When I'm in my element, I guess, and you've got all these goals and you're going to hit targets and you're going to do everything... I set these goals for myself and when I don't achieve them, a sort of self-loathing kicks in, like I'm human or <laughs> I just want to enjoy cooking dinner with my friends or my mum, so yeah, that TikTok can wait or whatever. I just bully myself about like, oh, you should have stayed up later and done it, no, no, no. I'm working on getting well and truly out of that, but more into the I'm proud of myself space. I'm proud, but I guess it's not as linear as I'd like it to be. So I really put a plate down and I tried to relieve myself because if I kept all the plates in the air and I committed to doing the things that I was doing I think I just would have bombed out I would have bullied myself a lot and the pressure that we put on ourselves as artists like get out of your own way kind of thing but I don't know it was a really tricky time so that was that so <laughs> right now as of summer um wrapped up the year in a beautiful bow very happy I'm rebranding the Cinematom website that is a big project that I'm working on. I'm signing with Guilty. It's essentially a non-exclusive signing, but um, because I can still pick and choose what I do um, with them and what I don't and what I run through Cinema Tom and what I don't. And there's sort of an expectation that anything over a certain budget level that I need production help with, I'll work with them. But they've brought me some pretty incredible jobs. At the end of the year, we were working on Emporium together, um, AIA earlier in the year, and it's just been really fun. So rebranding that because at the moment the website is very production company-ish and I want to be more of a director and I also have to work through the creative strategy um, offering that I do now 
as well. A lot of the stuff that I do is creative strategy and then I'll actually implement it and produce and create the work from scratch as well. My first site um, was Squarespace and I'm also using Squarespace because I'm manifesting and putting it out to the universe that I'd love them to become a sponsor of the podcast. So by having the entire business website on Squarespace, I think is a good synergy. I jumped onto my WordPress and got a massive fright because every day you can see how many failed login attempts you get. I think daily on WordPress. The last time I checked, there was 297 failed login attempts. So hackers are out there and they're trying to get into my WordPress to fuck me up. I don't understand like that juju. So we're getting off that. Love it if you're using WordPress each to their own. Also, rebranding Cinematom has been a beautiful exercise because it's a much more different business than it was. I'm emailing and pitching to potential guests. I'm building a video podcast studio in the cottage and in the city. So it's important that I move with the times and I run a production company. So hello, a video podcast or vodcast is an absolute no-brainer. Um, I'm doing a few hauls on social media and unboxings as well as like making TikToks for clients and making them for myself. I haven't been in front of the camera on socials for a long time and I'm ready. It's pretty dreamy and I am <laughs> really much in my Gilmore Girls era right now. I am Lorelai and Rory probably would be my dog, Otis. Lessons that I've learned this year, I have really, really big ones. Um, but the biggest ones that I think I'm going to carry with me is to focus on what's in front of me when I'm getting overwhelmed. It's hard to tell yourself that you're doing a good job when you're not doing all the things that you imagined and you're not killing it. Yes, 2023 is your year, but life just comes with these hurdles. And as long as you keep your character, and what I mean by that is I want people to still, regardless of how low I get or how many clients I need to say no to, I want my character to be known as somebody that does what they say they're going to do and I want to have integrity behind that. And although I may be taking on less clients and less tasks and although because with the focus of the podcast will probably come with less clients and less daily tasks running around, less content to produce and shoot and direct, I, it means a lot to me that my character stays intact. So going with my gut and moving forward, however slowly, just trusting that it's going to work out. And I sound like I've hit some really serious grief here. I haven't. I've just hit some really serious processing and I'm exhausted from change, if I'm honest. A little part was self-inflicted, obviously, picking up my life and moving it. But I'm so happy to be in the cottage, surrounded by nature. And I've worked with some of my dream clients in the past year. So that got ticked off the vision board. Process the podcast mission has also changed in these trying times <laughs> to give me more of a roadmap and inform all my business decisions moving forward. I'm basically here to share and make that creative journey that we're all experiencing and have guests on that also share those moments of self-doubt and nuggets of wisdom that make that creative journey just a little bit easier to make it feel less lonely, I guess. So I'm putting it out to the universe that that's my mission. And I'm putting it out there because I would love you to reflect on your why of why you're doing what you're doing and what you love about it and how you can, in trying times, keep coming back to your why to inform the questions that you have for yourself and how to make decisions because it's certainly helped me. I really only demystified this and wrote it down. It was in my head for a year, but I wrote it down for the first time six days ago. <laughs> and since then, it's been great. <laughs> Highly recommend. So season two, let's get into this. We're going international. We're getting some international guests. We're going to do episodes every single week. There is no seasons. The first episode will be an interview. And then 
the next week will be a mini app thinking eight to 15 minutes so these apps are going to cover a lot about what I'm learning along the way so they'll either be apps from me or they will be guests to weigh in on some things that we don't necessarily need their whole life story but getting their expert advice so keeping you feeling creative in smaller sittings I have had the best time with this podcast so far. It's been incredible. And I've got some really big dreams that I would like to nudge. I'm not going to say that I'm going to grow this to be like the biggest podcast in the world. La, la, la. I'm not. I'm just going to grow it for now. And that's enough for me. I'm here to support you creatively and offer you a front row seat to intimate conversations with some of my favorite creative people that I am seeking out in my personal life and in my career. I'm sorry again for the hiatus. It's not like me to do that. And basically kick off the guests again next week we have one of my favorite young entrepreneurs Natasia Nicolau we're dropping the episode that was actually recorded a little while ago Natasha and I went to school together she's two years younger than me her older sister Alessia and I used to be in homeroom together hey Les and we dive into how she and her team are building conserving beauty she's winning awards it's stocked in Mecca and absolutely demystifies what it takes to get there in this episode. It's not a story of a girl who like had a following, then launched something or like started with a lip gloss and then just like threw it from there. She is holding the beauty industry accountable and raising the bar for what is expected and what is needed in basically the next generation that hopefully will save the world because we're a little bit cooked. The decision to drop episodes every single week and abolish abolish what a word abolish seasons I just looked at what all my favorite podcasts were doing and they don't really do it in seasons a balance of petite little apps for myself or small nuggets from other creators and these interview apps are going to take the pressure off me a little bit in terms of timing being with a guest every single week and running my production company is hard but I hope that you stick around This kind of like reflection app had me a little bit nervous because I didn't think that I would do this, but I respect you and I respect the pursuit of creativity. Sharing at this level comes from a place of reflection and also resilience. I'm excited about the video aspect too. That's scary, but I'm very excited. If you want me to interview any specific guest, somebody that you are dying to get on, let's try. DM me. I'd love to hear from you. And essentially thank you for being a part of season one because what a ride. I hope that everybody is really inspired creatively to jump into 2023 and I can't wait to follow you, champion you, adore you and be your creative confidant in the wings ready to tackle 2023 together. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm so excited to bring you Process the Podcast 2.0. I will see you next week for Natasia Nicolau's episode. I don't have like a tagline or like something that I sign off on. DM me, let's be friends. And I just can't wait to see what you do. I will see you next Sunday.